devotion like that makes me want to nerd out a little bit. I tell you, I love science, and I love how it points a finger to God, and and uh, they actually spent a lot of money in the last uh, number of decades actually trying to find the source of gravity. They were looking for a thing called the Higgs boson that they nicknamed the God particle. And about seven years ago, it seems like, about seven years ago, they discovered it. They finally found it. And now all the scientists say, well, we're not sure. <laughs> because every time something points to God, they get, they get weak need. They get wishy-washy. And, uh, and so anyhow, I just, uh, uh, yeah. Anyhow, like I said, I wondered out here. Uh, you know, I, we've been looking at the news, and you talked about the witnessing opportunities. I have been kind of touching on some of the things that have been going on, and, and the reason for that is I do want us to have the tools that we need to be able to answer the questions of people uh, that might give them, if you will, a motivation uh, to ask us, and then we can take and turn it to the hope that lies within us, okay? And so we kind of have been looking at what's going on today in the fulfillment of prophecy. I kind of want to go to what started this whole mess, okay? What started this whole mess? And so go to Genesis chapter 16, if you will. Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 16. The Bible says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And by the way, I make emphasis here by saying Sarai and Abram, because this is the very beginning of their walk with God, and they had yet to receive the covenant promises that he was going to become the father of many nations. Sarai means a similar thing when it come, becomes Sarah. And, uh, and, uh, and so it's before that. Now, that will be significant here in a minute. The Bible says, uh, verse 2, it says, And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing, I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children uh, by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai, and Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. There's immediately tension in the family, okay? And Sarai said unto Abraham, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. Okay? You see, if you will, in a sense, a, a, a family fight here um, between the two wives. And, um, and then, of course, later, the two sons. And the Bible says, But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Uh, do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dwelt, uh, dealt heart, hardly with her, she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, uh, Sarai's maid, uh, whence comest thou, and whither wilt thou go? Where'd you come from, and where are you going? By the way, that's, that's a, think of the question. Where'd you come from, where are you going? Uh, we talked about this. God only asked rhetorical questions. He knew the answer. He was trying to get her to understand. Okay? And, uh, uh, help me now. And uh, verse, uh, uh, and, and she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. And uh, the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, 
because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. By the way, that's what the name means. God's heard, okay? God has heard, all right? So Ishmael, God has heard. And so if you will, it's, it's a name of encouragement to Hagar, okay? I heard, I heard what's going on, okay? And so if you will, that's what he's talking about. And the Bible says, and he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. I'll make emphasis on this here a second, but folks, that's a name. Thou God seest me. That's a name for God, okay? Because she said, I called him this, all right? Usually in other places, um, they would give like the Hebrew name. Okay, but this, they just translate it here. Okay, it says, For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called uh, Beer Lahiroi. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Barad. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old uh, when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the privilege to take and to come uh, into your fellowship, Father, into the assembly. Father, we just uh, pray that uh, you would meet with us today. Father, help us put aside the care of the world for a time. Speak to us through your word, through our worship. And then, Father, we do pray for those who are part of us. Father, you know every need. Uh, Father, body, soul, and spirit. We pray for those who are sick and cannot be here. We pray that you heal them up. Father, you know the other needs. We just pray, Lord, that you administer to them according to your will and for your glory. And Father, just uh, help us to understand that we might have an answer to give to those to ask of the hope that lies within us. Father, we do love you and we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our current news is dominated by our text today. And uh, I, I think you see why here. And, and verses 1 through 6 show us it's because of man's shortcomings. Why, why is all this happening? Well, it's because of man's shortcomings. And the first thing you think about is because of lack of faith. And any of our problems quite often can be associated with that, can it? I mean, if you think about it, quite often our problems are because of a lack of faith. Well, if you will, Abram at this point had been promised, everywhere you go, I'm going to give it to you. So it was more of a land promise at this point, Okay. At this time, he had not yet made a covenant with the Lord. He had not uh, yet been uh, given specifically what God was going to do, and, and, and he hadn't promised him a son yet. Having said that, uh, it, was, it was, if you will, it, it, it was the unanswered question. Because if, if God was going to give him all this stuff in, in later chapters, he says, well, what's it profit me if I just have to give it to one of my servants? Okay? And so it's implied they needed to have a son, all right? But the problem with Abraham, one of the things you say, what's a nickname for Abraham? Somebody help me. What's a a nickname for Abraham? Yeah. Friend of God. Okay. Father Abraham. Okay. Very good. And he's also known as one other thing. Okay. Those those all apply. They all start with F, by the way. I don't know if the Lord's in that. but (laughs) He's also the father of the faithful. Meaning that we all, he kind of, if you will, puts Abraham up as an example of what true faith is, okay? And so sometimes people come to a saving knowledge of the Lord. I've, I've had people say, well, first time I heard the gospel, I got saved. I got to be honest with you, and, and I'm not questioning anybody's salvation. If that's your testimony, praise the Lord. I'm, I'm glad you were a quick study. But most people don't come like that. Most people, God's got to plant some seed and give a, a foundation and, and work on you a little bit, Okay. And we see that in the life of Abraham, because Abraham did become an example of true faith, 
But folks, he didn't become an example of true faith until he was 100 years old. At this point, he's, he's, you know, he's less than that. He's, he's, he's in his 80s probably, okay? And so my whole point is this, is, is yes, he was, he was an amazing God, and yes, he was the father of the faithful, but we also see that even he had his times where he had a lack of faith. Now let me ask you this. How, um, uh, um, God wants you to have a car. Let's all make this assumption. God wants you to have a car, okay? And he's going to give it to you miraculously, okay? You all all understand the premise? But you get tired of waiting for this car to show up that God has promised you he's going to give to you miraculously. And so you go out and you take a loan that you can't afford because you're going to help God get you that car that he said it was God's will for. Did you exercise true faith? Now, please get me the right way. If God wants you to have a car, most often it's not a free car. You guys understand? <laughs> okay. But have you ever been there where you really wanted something, you thought it was the will of God, and you kind of pushed the issue? Well, that's exactly what Abram has done here. He's, he's taken and pushed the issue. God has made him some wonderful promises, and he know the, knows those promises can't be truly enjoyed unless he has a seed, unless he has a son, unless he has somebody to inherit, if you will. And, and, and so, if you will, they say, Sarah says, I can't have you a son. Go and take Hagar, my maid, and make her your wife and, and bring up a child. And by the way, culturally at that time, that was a completely appropriate thing for her to do. It was the right thing to do. And so if you will, in, in a sense, you, a lot of times people take and condemn, say, well, that's wrong. It's not having, two wives is wrong. Listen, a different time, different place. Okay? By the way, different population on earth, <laughs> for one thing. All right? And so, if you will, at that time, it was appropriate for her to make this offer, but it was inappropriate for them to do that to help God fulfill his promises to them. You see, so in a sense, it was a lack of faith, helping God, keeping his promises. And he had promised him something. Go to chapter 15, if you will, just one page back, probably. Verse 1, the Bible says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield, thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? Y'all see that? He's saying, how can you fulfill your promises to me if I don't have children? I mean, it doesn't matter if you give me all this. When I die, I just have to give it to somebody else that I'm not even related to. Y'all understand that? Um, I think some of y'all know this. We're kind of excited because Ben and Sam are going to have a boy. Praise the Lord. And listen, I'm thankful for all seven of my grandchildren. I'm counting theirs, okay? But I've got to be honest with you, it's going to be kind of neat having a boy with the last name Bradshaw. Okay, why? Well, I don't want my brother being the only one that carries the line on. Okay? And so if you will, you know, there's something, we, I think we can all understand that. Sarai was not promised that she would be the mother, by the way, of this child until chapter 17. You can go back and see that yourself if you want to, but in Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, and then 15 through 17, she wasn't really promised that she was going to be a mother until that point, all right? And so in a sense, that's why I give her a break. She was just doing what she thought was right and proper, and if you will, but it was still a, it was a, it was a lack of faith in that we're going to help God out. By the way, did he get a history of that? We're going to help God out here. We're going to help God out here. We're going to help God out here. And finally, God says, stop helping. You know how he said that? Um, 
it, he stopped talking to him for 13 years. Because when he, when they, when, I'm sorry, when this child was finally born, it says at the very end, he was 86 years old. 86 years old. How old was he when he was told that Isaac was going to be born? He was 99. And then how old was he when Isaac was finally born? He was 100. He was 100 years old. And so in a sense, God stopped talking to him for 13 years, said, if you're going to keep helping, you're really not believing. I'm going to teach you to live by faith. Now, i got to ask you this question. Has God ever taught you to live by faith? I will tell you, those are some of the hardest lessons in your Christian walk sometimes when God insists you're going to learn to walk by faith on this one. Amen? And I'll promise you, if you're, if you're going through it or have gone through it, you understand what I'm talking about. But sometimes God is just trying to say, I want you to trust me. Amen? Listen, is, is, for without faith it is what? impossible to please God. And sometimes God has to put us in a place that all we can do is trust him. Now, help me now. Are those some pretty miserable times in our Christian walk? If you know what I'm talking about, it can be some lonely, hard, difficult times, and God's saying, you're going to learn to trust me. You're going to learn to trust me. And that's what he's doing here. And so, if you will, this whole thing happened because of a lack of faith. It also became because of a lack of discernment. Look what the Bible says in verse 3 back in our text, Genesis 16. The Bible says, And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, say the next two words, please, the Egyptian. Um, uh, again, God doesn't put any details in. By the way, uh, he wouldn't have met Hagar except for a lack of faith. Why? Because remember, there was a famine in the land, and they ran to Egypt to eat. You know what they should have done? They should have ran to God and said, where are we going to get food? Okay? And so, if you will, they would have never met um, Hagar, except that they ran to Egypt. The Bible makes it clear in verse 1, and then here again in verse 3, that she is an Egyptian. God is the one making that distinction. God is the one, if you will, that's pounding the pulpit on that one. Okay? And she was not the wife of promise. We'll look at that here in a moment, okay? God had promised that Abram, and then it was implied that his wife Sarah, okay, were going to take and have a child, all right? Or at least somebody to give the inheritance to. Um, if you will, <clears throat> like I said, uh, well, I want you to see this. In, in Genesis chapter 17, look what they did whenever he said, you're going to have a child, Okay? <laughs> By the way, how, how old are they now? The Bible says when Abram was 90 and 9 years old in chapter 17, verse 1. This is 13 years later. Okay. And then in verse 5, it says, Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. Abram means father. Abraham means father of multitudes. Okay. That's, that's what the name means. All right. And so God changed his name. He says, you're not just going to be a father. You're going to be a father of multitudes, okay? Uh, and then down in verse 15, the Bible says, And God said to Abraham, he says, for Sarah, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah, for her name shall be, uh, uh, for Sarah shall her name be, and I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, and the kings of people shall be of her. And the Bible says, And Abraham fell on his face, and... And folks, he's not laughing for joy, because all you got to do is keep reading. He says, how is my wife, who's barren and 90 years old, going to have a child, and I'm 100? 
He's laughing at God. Okay? He's not laughing in a mocking derision. He's laughing in the sense that, God, there's no way you're going to be able to do this. Well, help me now. Does God like to show himself mighty on our behalf? (laughs) Is it impossible? Yeah, okay, I'm ready to help. (laughs) Amen? We're going to look at that so many times, uh, even today. Uh, Go, if you will, to Romans chapter... uh, Uh, Romans chapter um, 4, and look at verse 19. Romans chapter 4. Verse 19. The Bible teaches this. He says, talking about Abraham, he says, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, can I just say this? I think that's a generous statement considering what we just read. Amen? I mean, it's one of those things, it's easy to say, I walk by faith after everything has been fulfilled. But in the moment, he was laughing, okay? But, But he did. I mean, he staggered not at the promise of God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And so he was, he was not really had faith in, in the pro, uh, promise. He was faith, had faith in the promiser. Amen? Go to Hebrews, if you will, and say, why was that important? Again, Abraham is known as the father of the faithful. Okay? Well, here's the deal. What, what act in his life required the most faith? Talk to me. What act was that? Sacrificing Isaac. Was it hard leaving his home? Wow, that'd have to be tough. Amen? Was it hard for him to believe these promises? Yeah, that'd be tough. Okay? But God said this. He said, go and take your son and sacrifice him to me. And folks, lest anybody wants to reinterpret that, he knew what that meant. I want you to go and I want you to kill your son your only son, your son of promise, okay? Why was he able to walk up Mount Moriah with that dagger and get ready to plunge it into his son? Why was he able to do that? The Bible says he staggered not at the promises of God. And folks, he learned that when he had a child at the age of 100. Do you all understand that? He's saying, God put me through the fire and God showed me, just trust him, no matter what he says, amen? And I'm going to trust him. So that's exactly what he did. God said, go sacrifice your son. And the Bible, you know the story. The Bible says they got up early in the morning and they went. He said, yes, sir. Yes, Lord. I'll go and I'll do it. Notice what it says in Hebrews. Why was he able to do that? Well, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, the Bible says this. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, meaning tried, tested, okay, The Bible says, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was says that in Isaac thy seed shall be called. Remember, all he wanted was a son to get his inheritance. Amen? He said, well, he still had Ishmael. No. Only Isaac could inherit. Okay? We'll look at that here more in a moment. Verse 19. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. How much faith did Abraham have? Even if I kill him, God will raise him from the dead. Why? Because he made me a promise that I'm going to be the father of many nations, and in thy son Isaac are you going to be blessed. 
Sarah is going to be blessed. A multitude of nations and of kings. You all understand that? And so he took and he finally learned, hey, I can trust God. And I got to tell you, it's not easy going through that process. But I will promise you, it's a necessary process. The sad truth is, all this mess that's going on in the Middle East right now comes directly back to one day where he did stagger just a little bit, enough to try to take and to help God out, okay? And so we see man's shortcomings caused all this, a lack of faith, a lack of discernment, and then a lack of compassion. Look at verse 6, and I do think there is a little bit of responsibility here. I don't want to pound the table on it too much. But back in Genesis chapter 16, Look at verse 6. The Bible says, But Abraham said unto Sarai, Behold, the maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. Now think about this. He was an unwanted child, okay, at least in half the home, or one-third, or however you want to divide it up. And so if you will, you've got to remember that this, this son, Ishmael, raised his whole life knowing that he wasn't in favor with the whole family, if you will, Okay. The Bible says very clearly that Abraham loved Ishmael, okay? He considered him a good son, okay? Um, but here, Sarah, he says, she, he's, in, he's in your hands. Do whatever you want to with your maid, okay? And, uh, and so she, she run him off. Of course, the Lord brought her back, but we'll look back at that here in a second. You know, Sarah was hurt, but Hagar was a seemingly innocent participant in all this, okay? Uh, so anyhow, you can read into that what you want to, but... Uh, there is a certain level of that, okay? Now, having said that, we see what caused this mess is man's shortcomings. The second thing is God's compassion. Think about this. I love God. Aren't you glad he's long-suffering towards us? And he's long-suffering towards us in, in salvation, but he's long-suffering towards us in our failures and our shortcomings, and, and praise God, amen? But because of that, it, it did kind of cause a problem. Go uh, look at verse 4. Look what the Bible says in verse 4. The Bible says, and he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she, would, she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. By the way, she started the fight, <laughs> okay? In a sense, here's what happened. I don't know that they really had harems back then. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't ever speak of that with Jewish people. But whenever there were a multitude of wives, there was always one favored wife. Okay, and the one favored wife is pretty much in charge of all the other wives. Okay, so Sarah was the favored wife, all right, and she was in charge of the other wives. And so, in a sense, when he says do to her whatever you want to, she was in charge. Okay, she was in charge of the other wives, so she had the right to do what she did. Okay, but God, of course, praise the Lord, being a God of compassion, He He wanted to take and, and you know, uh, do something about it. So in a sense, God allowed this to happen. We see this. God allowed all this to happen, okay? Now think about this. Did God want this to happen? Okay? Have you guys ever heard of, how many of y'all believe God has a will? Okay? How many wills do you think he has for you as an individual? One? Okay. By the way, can he work his will in all our lives and still have all his will in all our lives? that sound weird to say that? Okay, you're all looking at me like, okay, I, I know I confused you all. Can everything work out for us if we all pursue God's will for our life? Very good, okay? That's why we got to be careful about that, okay? Um, 
because we really have to determine God's will. And I, I will tell you this, sometimes it's a difficult thing to determine, okay? But having said that, have you ever got, heard of God's permissive will? Has anybody ever read of it in the Bible? That's the reason I asked the question. Because it's either God's will or it isn't God's will. Y'all with me? And just because God allows us to do something doesn't mean it's his will. Y'all understand that? Have you guys ever heard it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission? Anybody besides me guilty of practicing my walk of faith with the Lord like that sometimes? I'd rather say I'm sorry than to ask him, Lord, what would you have me to do? And I think all of us sometimes have been there. All of us will, okay? Well, know this. We might get our way, but we are going to have the consequences of that way, okay? And so there is God's will, and sometimes it's very difficult to determine. I do believe this, though. If you are desiring to do God's will, and you go towards a door, if the door is shut... It's a good time to pray about discernment. Because it might not be that that's the wrong door. It might be it's just not time to open it. You all understand? And that's what it was in this particular case. They wanted a child, wanted a child, wanted a child. And God's saying, it's not going to be a child until it's a miracle child. It's important that it's a miracle child. By the way, was Jesus a miracle child? Yeah, that's one reason it was important for him to be a miracle child. You all understand? And so we see here, in a sense, God allowed this to happen, but that doesn't mean it was his will. There's, there's really, I, I remember hearing messages, well, that's God's permissive will. And, and sometimes I was like, well, it's okay if you want to. That's God's permissive will. <laughs> I think God has a will. I think it could be determined. I think sometimes it takes patience. And, and it takes wisdom when you come to two open doors. Which one should I go through? Which one should I go through? Okay. By the way, how does God direct us in those areas? Somebody help me. Can you think about it? Does God give us the desires of our heart? I don't know the verse, but some of you guys got to know that verse. Does God give us the desires of our heart? So what does that mean? Does that mean we can have everything our heart desires that's desperately wicked? <laughs> No, what it means is, is he'll put his desires for us in our heart. Amen? Please take this the right way, but I think there was a time in my life where I noticed a young Mindy Scheibel, okay? And I believe the Lord was in that, okay? Now, had I been a Christian, I'd have pursued it different, okay? But I wasn't a Christian at the time, though um, I do believe by the time we got married, we were, we were very concerned about those type of issues, you know, Lord, is this, is this what you would have us to do? And so I praise the Lord that, you know, we stopped and asked and, and made sure, but then, you know, there have been other times that we didn't do that, you know, I, I, I've told you about, we bought our first house outside of the will of God, we, I really, really wanted it, and, and, uh, and, and the Lord's going, no, 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 and I'm like, well, allow me, okay, I'll allow you, <laughs> I promise you, we, we, we regretted it, okay. So in a sense, if you will, God allowed this to happen. And he also understood uh, Hagar's dilemma. Look at verse 8. Look at Genesis 16, verse 8. The Bible says, and he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence comest thou, and whither wilt thou go? Uh, think about this rhetorical question. Verse 8, you know what he's asking? He's saying, where are you going to go? You can't run. Don't run. Don't run. Y'all with me? 
And, and, and so in a sense, he, he's saying this, he's saying, listen, I'm, we're going to take care of you. Abraham's going to take care of you. Your, your son's going to be blessed. He's going to be a father of multitudes, father of nations. It's, it's the first time the promise is given, by the way, and it's given to Ishmael, okay? Or it's given concerning Ishmael, all right? But look what he says in verse 9. He says, go back and submit. Go back and submit yourself to her hand, okay? And, and, and so in verse uh, uh, 9 and 10, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. Okay? Did he, did he know she was going to be mistreated? Probably. Amen? But he also knew that she would be safe, she would be fed, she would be provided for, she would be protected, and she'd be able, uh, her son would be able to be raised, if you will, in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord uh, by her father, uh, by his father, Abraham. Okay? Uh, and so verse 9, it's implied that she would be cared for. And then verse 10, it's promised that he would be blessed. In verse 10 it says, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. Anybody know how many Muslims there are in the world today? And I'm not saying he's the father of all Muslims. I'm saying all Muslims say they're his father. Okay? So they attach themselves to Ishmael. Okay? So anyhow. So think about this, the same promise, he was given the same promise as Abraham. Look at chapter 22, Genesis 22. Look at verse 15. Verse 15, the Bible says, The angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall uh, possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. And of course, that is fulfilled ultimately through Christ, okay? We see that promise is ultimately fulfilled for, through Christ. And in a sense, it was a spiritual promise, okay? Why? Well, again... All the nations of the world through him would be blessed through his example of faith and through the object of faith, Jesus Christ. Okay, and so if you will, uh, that promise was given to Abraham, but it was first, in a, in a way, given to Ishmael. But Ishmael's was more of a worldly promise, more of a fleshly promise. What do I mean by that? Well, think about this. If Abraham is our father according to the faith, and he is, okay, because he's, you know, he... Uh, he believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. It talks about accounting, okay? God, if you will, has a bank account. I would like to be saved, paid out in my, in my account, okay? Um, and so, to be honest with you, a lot more people are related to him by faith than are related to him by blood. You all understand that? So, in a sense, a lot, because uh, any of us, if any man be in Christ, Okay, well, if any man is in Christ, it's because he's the son of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then ultimately through, you all understand? And, and so we see that here today. Ishmael's was more of a worldly promise. He's going to have a lot of sons, and he did. He had a lot of sons, he had princes, he, you know, he had kings, everything like that. Folks, the Muslim population of the world today is 1.9 billion. That's one quarter of all human beings are Muslim and by the way, their birth rate and their conversion rate is exponential right now. 
Uh, I don't know how many of you are following politics, but one of the reasons that the world is in the mess is that it is as Muslims have infiltrated countries and they go in and all, they're, they're good citizens. They go, they live good lives, they work, they buy houses, they raise their families and they raise big families and they wait until they get to a critical point where they can vote in people into office. And by the way, folks, if you're not watching the news, they have far more influence in this country than they should. Why? Because they've elected people. Folks, I don't know if you... <laughs> You really need to be paying attention because they're doing it in America too and they've already done it in Europe. They've already done it in Europe. Folks, if you think France is French, you're beside yourself. If you think England is English, you don't know what, you need to look more closely. And they are literally starting to take over the world, not even with guns and missiles. They're doing it just by simple birth rate, okay? Well, notice what the Bible says. The Bible says you're going to be an exceeding great people, and they are. I mean, 1.9 billion, one quarter of the earth's population, and growing. I think that position, that, that percentage is going to become greater and greater and greater, okay? Anybody know how many Jews there are in the world? There's 15.7 million, Okay. They say, well, that's a lot. Well, let's remember, six million of them died in the Holocaust. And at that time, I believe that was half the population of the Jews in the world. Half, okay? By the way, during the tribulation, two-thirds of them die. Two-thirds of the population. So that would be 12 million Jews are going to die during the tribulation with current numbers, okay? Pretty close to. Uh, folks, that is 127 Muslims for every Jew in this world. There are 127 Muslims for every Jew in this world. Can I ask you a question? Why do they need that little strip of land in, in Israel? It's called the Gaza Strip for a reason, folks. It's like a Band-Aid on, on a country, okay? There's no reason for them to be there. Why are they wanting to be there? Control. Because as long as they have a presence in there, they can say, this is our land too. That's why you hear two things, and it's something we need to know about and pray about. They talk about a two-state solution. If you guys don't know what that means is, that means Israel and Palestine own that land. Well, I think God would beg to differ. And college campuses this last week have been holding signs saying, from the river to the sea. Does anybody know what that means? Israel's gone. And so they want to wipe Israel into the sea so that the Muslims can have that piece of land. And folks, think about this. They got the whole world. Why can't they let Israel have a little peace? I'll tell you why. Because he's going to be a wild man. He's going to be against every man. He's going to be against his own brothers. And folks, all it is is a fulfillment of one of the very first chapters in the Bible, Genesis chapter 16. And so, if you will... Uh, I encourage you, this is kind of goes along with your devotion. These are just tools. Hopefully you can use them. Uh, it's not our purpose to take and to know more than everybody else. It's our purpose to take and to use this as a can opener to take and to witness to people concerning spiritual things in the last days. All right, and we'll be, we'll be dismissed.